If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals, chief goals. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. TJ Rosine here with the Hardwood Hustle. We are here in Orlando at the Junior NBA World Championship where Shot Tracker has lit up the gym. Uh, we've got analytics all over the place. I've got a special guest to me uh, with me today, which we've had before, Ryan Hoover. A really interesting story. Really humble, laid-back guy, but a uh, heck of a player. Great shooter. And uh, also heading up uh, analytics with uh, Shot Tracker, and he's helping coaches to understand it. But we're going to talk a lot about his journey, who he is, and uh, the things that have educated, empowered, and encouraged him. And then we'll talk a little bit of analytics. So, Ryan, let's um, first of all, great to have you back. Thanks, TJ. Good to be back with you. I feel like every time I see you, you look a little bit younger, actually. How do you do that? <laughs> I got a one and a half year old. Yes, <laughs> fair I think, enough. And and uh, the occasional nap, not as much as when I was in Europe. Europe's bigger on naps. The U.S. is not as big. Is on that them. one of the better habits you picked up from Europe? It napping. was. I try. I try to bring that back, but it it hasn't been going over too well. Well, listen. Here's what I want to. I, I want to talk about. I want to talk about. Uh, I want to serve our coaches with what's educated you, what's encouraged you, what's empowered you. Uh, for instance, like a nap, something as specific as that is. I mean, it's something that's helped you learn a good habit in your life. Um, but before I do, because the audience probably know a lot of the audience knows you, but some of them will not have uh, heard you before. Give us your 60-second rundown of your life story, and then we're going to talk about how those things play in. So they'll hear more about your story, but the quick background. So I grew up uh, son of a basketball coach in northern Illinois, uh, Rockford near Rockford, Illinois. And I ended up uh, growing, growing in my love for the game and always being around it. I, put, I uh, ended up being going on to be uh, the Gatorade Player of the Year in 1992 in Illinois. Went on to play at Notre Dame four years and, uh, and then played professionally for 18 years. Uh, most of those in, in Italy, 13 years in Italy. And then uh, my journey back to the States after I retired at the age of 40, uh, my wife and I located in, uh, in Kansas City. We thought it was the, the place for us. And uh, so in 2014, that's where we, we laid up camp. And uh, Just out of curiosity, why, how, did it, how did it come down to that being the choice? We, lo- we uh, looked at a few different places, and, and we just felt a leading that, that Kansas City was the spot. Yeah. And uh, my wife's a farm girl from Kansas, so that, that played into it. I think the, the main priority was we just felt uh, that voice was leading us to Kansas City. So yeah. we listened and, and obeyed. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, so let's break this down for a second. First of all, man, being able to play the game so long, like what a special opportunity. And then the uh, idea, son of a coach, same thing. I don't know if you knew that, Ryan, but I lost my dad in April. He was a 30-year high school coach. Mm-hmm. and. It was, uh, gosh, I mean, every time I'm, you know, around, we're back with my college team and we're talking. I miss him so much. He's the guy that I shared with. I shared with my team the other day, like, 
You know, probably the toughest thing for the, for me this season is that my biggest fan is gone. You know, he just he, he always was there for me, and he he understood what it meant to be a coach. It was different having a uh, a dad that had coached because he could he could understand what I was going through. You know, as a coach, but um, I, I loved the experience of uh, playing for my dad. Did you play for your dad, or did you um, was he just a coach in the area or somewhere different? He I didn't end up playing for him. No. I played in, in summer summer camps and yeah. summer leagues with him and summer tournaments and tell me a little bit about the relationship like the that you built through basketball with your dad i mean i think the the one word that i could describe my dad is encourager he was he's uh one of the most the most loyal encouragers i've i've come across and uh i just always felt like no matter what happened i had one one fan yeah. I had one true fan that, uh-huh. and you know you know you can speak to that and uh and you know you you go through the the game and you have success you have failure but no matter what he was he was a guy that i always could count on and uh and he just taught me the game he taught to taught me to appreciate it to respect it the the integrity of the game um to always get my best no matter what who was watching um no matter if I was on my own shooting in the gym or or if I was out in front of 10, 15, 20,000 people playing the game. So I think those are the biggest takeaways that I took from him. So let's talk about that for a second. You know, educate, empower, encourage. We're starting with the last one. A lot of times we ed- educate and then we talk about the empowerment. We're, let's start with encouragement. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, we share that in common. It's special to have a have a fan. I mean, and, and hopefully, you know, all the coaches out there, parents out there that that they are their their child's biggest fan but you know it's also important for coaches to be fans of of uh of their players but it's not always the case you know it's not always a fan sometimes there's some accountability there and some other things that go into it along your journey of all all the years that you played what other things uh encouraged you along the way like you know when you were having when you were having struggles when you faced adversity where did you find encouragement in the adversity it's a really good question. I mean, I think it started with my parents. Um, I had parents that that really wanted wanted me to be successful and have every opportunity I could, and then had a strong family. Um, and then along the way, you just you bump into people that just uh, that kind of take a liking to you, whether it's a coach or a, or a fan or supporter, and and it really makes you um, understand that there's more to the game. That they they like you no matter if you you score a bunch of points or if you if you go over fifteen and and lose. So I mean I think it's I think it's important for players no matter what the age is to align with people like that 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 truly care about you no matter what you're doing how you're performing mm-hmm. and uh, not not finding your identity it helps it helps you to separate your identity from basketball. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean Perfect. you talked about. How many, how many children do you have? Just three. Three, and you have a one-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah. I know nothing put coaching into perspective for me like having a child, you know. <laughs> and, and But when you have things to balance it out, right? But when you're a young player and you're growing up, I mean, I imagine, you know, probably your wife when you guys got married, right? Did she help you to balance that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> but before that, you had coaches along the way. Did you ever have any experiences where it was tough, like you felt alone, you didn't have that? I mean, was there times when you were at college where oh, yeah. you leave home? And, you know, I know a lot of players go through that. Yeah. And and I think I think you got to enjoy those times. I mean, that's that's part of the journey that that you can't go back and get again because that loneliness, that hunger, the 
the disappointment, the failure, all those things are, are part of the beautiful journey that we all go on, whether we play sports or whatever we do. It's part of life. And uh, just to learn from those and, and, and appreciate when you do get to the mountaintop um, or your, whatever that, mount, that short-term mountaintop is, that you, that you really appreciate it. And yeah. Those things make, make you do that. Well, what things empowered you? Like, you know, you don't become the Gatorade Player of the Year. You don't go play professionally. You don't play a high level of college basketball unless, you know, at some point you have some level of confidence, like some, something got to you. What helped to empower you? I know, I know you worked at it, right? I mean, that's one level of what empowers you to believe that you could do it. What other things empowered you to believe that you could do it? I think I was, I think I was obsessed with being the best shooter in the world. I think that was one thing that I, that I thought was a realistic thing. And I don't know what age that started at, but, um, but if I, if I was gonna be, be that, I knew I had to put in an awful lot of work. And I think. Again, like back to my dad, my parents. My mom was a tenacious competitor. She was she's the the most tenacious competitor I've ever met. Whether it's cards or or board games or golf or or shooting on a on a closet basket when I was six years old. Yeah, like she she didn't she didn't want to let me win. And and I think that competitiveness and that drive and that desire and that obsession to to be the best. I think just started to take root at an early age. And uh, and then I, w- I had some success. So I think the confidence picked up from there, and and then I continued to to surround myself with people that would help me get better. And um, and I think that's really what it's all about: the people that are in it for the right reasons, just just to help you develop and get better and grow. I got two more big questions for you, and then we're going to talk a little bit analytics. But before we do, let's take our halftime break and get our communication tip of the day from our friends and team snap. Thanks to our friends of our team, Snap, for today's halftime communication tip. This week, coaches, as you go through your practices, as you go through your upcoming games, I'd like for you to communicate with the goal to connect. Communicate to connect. Have a purpose behind your communication. Find ways to dig deeper, to build stronger connections through your communication this week. Go in with a goal. Go in with a purpose. Communicate to connect. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe, helping bring everyone from coaches, parents, and players all together and get on the same page all season long. That's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. All right, Ryan. So we know uh, we don't know what educated you along the way. We do know what empowered you. We do know what encouraged you along the way. Um, let's let's speak for a second about education. As far as like the best lessons you've learned. Obviously, you played for some great coaches, and we've talked about a couple of those before. And uh, but but what along your journey, not just basketball, but in in, in your professional career. Uh, and your uh, parenting style. Like, what are some things that have educated you along the way? What are some nuggets you've taken away that you thought, man, you know what? These are these are the best things that I've learned to be able to be a better father, better leader, better business person, better player, whatever it is. I'd say I'd say probably there's three things. The first one is uh, the golden rule, and uh, it's to treat treat others as you want to be treated. It's, a, it's an old cliche, but it, it really is a daily thing that, that, that I, I try to encourage my own kids, and, and I think I was, I was taught that at a young age. So 
So that's one. I think the the second one is communication. I think we we under we undervalue the the art and the the ability to communicate with people. Um, and I I don't know if it's technology. I'm not sure what what the cause of that is, but to communicate in a clear way and and it kind of goes back to the first one of of communicating and treating people like you want to be treated. And I think it's, it's it's pretty simple, but I think it's how you treat people is 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 how you how you get back. Like I mean, you, you know, there's a lot of people that invest in you and and you got to give back. And you got to do the same thing to others. And then uh, and then I think the third one is to to keep things simple. Um, and I, I think it's it's something that that I've learned that I don't want to overcomplicate things. I don't want to over like like try to make things tougher than they really are. And I think those like when it comes down to it, I think those three things have have kind of helped me uh, <laughs> navigate the journey that I'm on. Yeah, and that probably fits perfect into the role that you're in now because you and I were were chatting about this. We were watching one of these games out here, and mm-hmm. we were talking about. Um, you know the analytics part of it. And I, I was referencing the fact that I, you know, I'm in my 17th year as a coach, and analytics weren't even a part of before. We were drawing right. circles and xing it out if you made it, and you know that that's about what analytics was when I first got to coaching. But uh, you're in a in a particular situation where you're actually helping coaches. We were talking about a couple of events you've been in, you know, uh, down at TCU and how you were helping them and how you served the coaches there. You're probably in that role one because you're treating those people that way. But number two, it's because you really need the the final one, the number three for you, which is simple. A lot of coaches get a little bit nervous around analytics just because it's a lot like you know you, or you feel like it's a lot you don't know and uh and you've got to help related coaches that this is very feasible usable and simple um how do you how do you do that how have you done that yeah i think i think we get we get intimidated by the word analytics yeah. i think i think i i did i have like a maybe a bad connotation in my head that analytics kind of like salespeople, like the same thing if I call myself in sales or whatever it is, then people look at me different. When I use the word analytics, some people are like, you know, they start to they t- start to brush you off before you can even explain what we're doing. And so a lot of times I'll just say, well, it's information that's going to help you win more games. And I think any coach will hear is, that statement is, right there. It's up to hear <laughs> yeah. information. I want to I want to know as much information that, that's going to help me win more games. And I think ultimately that's what analytics are, and that's that's what shot trackers able to provide to give access to to coaches and players and and to bridge that gap of communication again back to that yeah yeah so i mean it's, it, that is it is really interesting i think when as a coach one of the things that i fear is that it'll pass me by <laughs> like the you know what i mean like mm-hmm. with analytics is because I, I was i was watching over here as a lot of these athletes came up and they were downloading the app they were looking they wanted to know the stats they wanted to know I think coaches want to stay relevant with mm. players, and I think this helps them stay relevant when yeah. you're talking in terms of things they can see. And I shared this before, and I'm going to share it one more time just because, I, you know, different listeners, different times, but uh, some Tim Elmore stuff. I don't know if you've heard of Tim Elmore, but he writes this thing called Habitudes, and it talks about this generation of learner, and they're epic learners. They're experiential. Mm-hmm. They want, they want to experience things. They're participatory. They want to be a part of it. They don't want to just watch. I think... One of the things I said, they don't want to 
uh, lecture in front of you. They want to be. They want to. Um, they don't want a sage on the stage. They want some a guide on the side. Like they mm. want you to go through it. They're image rich. Like they've grown up everything that they've ever learned. They could get at their fingertips. Right. Cause I had a player the other day. We started school last week, and I was looking over their stuff. And he was born in two thousand. And that blew my mind. He was born in 2000. <laughs> but in 2000, you began having all this stuff at your fingertips. Yeah. And so um, and, and they're, so they're image-rich, and the C, I, the C slips my mind um, again. But players, that's the way they are. Even like the gun, you know, the shooting machine, which you probably didn't have. I didn't have it when I was growing up. We had a different version of it where the ball rolled out to you, right? But yeah, I started, that, I started shoot When I saw the, the gun, it was later on in my pro career. But yeah. I, yeah, I thought it was the best invention ever until I came across Shot Tracker. But e- yeah, but even then now, so they have like the the iPad on the side. They do all that. But yeah. the players, as they come through this, I mean, they're checking this out. Like they're looking at these stats. They're interested in that kind of stuff. It's kind of speaks their language a little bit, you know. Yeah. Like when they go look on the app, and they're like, "I want to know this. I want to know this stuff right now." And us giving them a shot chart five days after the game is not re- was not relevant. You know, yeah. we thought it was, but with this generation, it's just not. That's been one of my fears as a coach is not remaining relevant, you know, with that type. But as you have players, you were talking about some of the cool things. Share a couple of those things, like at TCU, that they're using their stats with and different coaches you've been around. Because you're going around, you're with the coaches. How have they been using it to be relevant and to make their team better? Yeah, I think one of the main things that I've found is not only the communication with the players, but, but also the players being able to, to compete. I think is a big one. I mean, I think I think like like for TCU, the way they use it, they have leaderboards in the locker room. Each each drill they do, they have a leaderboard of the of the week of the month. Um, they have some are like team team business uh, team um, shooting drills, yeah. and um, so I mean, I think that's that's really a way to do it to to really capitalize on what the what the data can provide is so they to, like the fact it's keeping them competitive yeah yeah, yeah. they're, they're yeah. competing with each other and they're coming in the locker room they're seeing the leaderboard they're seeing who made shots who didn't make shots and uh i'm sure it makes for a more competitive practice as well yeah and i think i think the other thing is is, is again like to be able to see it while practice is going on or immediately after practice is going on while it's fresh in their minds yeah and and maybe coach made it made a coaching point or a teaching point while during practice and he can go right in right right away and say this is what i'm talking about you know mm-hmm. rather than two hours later an hour later after they tag the video and and do all that stuff so i i think the real-time effect of it um not only for the communication but it builds that trust between the player and the coach that the the coach yelled something at the player or not necessarily yelled but made a teaching point during practice and is able to back it up um with with data with uh with the stats and i think that's that's something i've seen uh, that coaches have been able to relay that stuff right away in real time to their players what uh looking back now knowing what you know about analytics and getting into the world of analytics what do you wish you would have seen or known as a player? Like, what part of the analytics do you think? It's, from a coaching standpoint, I love the advanced analytics. I love seeing, at, you know, the second, third side of the floor, the, you know, how many passes, you know, how many a paint touch with ball reverse. I, I love seeing that stuff because it's stuff that I'm used to preaching, but I'm not quite sure they're hearing. But now I've got yeah. something that I can show them. You yeah. know, so I like that part of it. 
Well, looking back on your, your career as a player, what part of analytics do you wish that you had and what you would have used? Yeah, I think I think the 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 zones can be helpful. The the, the zone maps um, to know like what like I I think I knew what what side of the floor I like to shoot on better. I like going left. I like shooting off the dribble going left. I like shooting on the on the left wing better. Um, but to be able to see that, to see the numbers, I think is is a powerful thing. And then. On top of that, like the confidence, when you get to your spot and you get the ball at the right time, and uh, you know you have that in your head, knowing that you're gonna, <laughs> you're shooting in your sweet spot, and um, I think there's there's power to that, and and not only that, but but I think throughout practice, day day by day, week by week, month by month, season by season, you know the numbers that you're putting up, you know the percentages that you're putting up, you know you're putting in the time. There's a there's a mental piece to that that is powerful than than anything any any shot chart anything can give because you know your numbers and you go through a slump you miss a couple of shots you have in your head where you're shooting what what your numbers are and you know those numbers are are relatively if you if you're taking good shots are going to catch up with themselves. Did you did you chart? I mean, obviously becoming a great shooter, you you had an idea. What did you do as a player to chart? specifically just for yourself i mean were you trying to go seven out of ten from each spot were you trying to go eight out of ten what things did you do just in your own shooting to try and measure as a player yeah i had in my pro career i remember more more so because it was kind of the self-motivation the self-tracking yeah in college you got managers and you got coaches that keep track of a lot of stuff but i had in my head that before i left the gym i had to make 23 out of 25 threes before I could leave the gym four times so basically four quarters in a game so I had to do it four times and sometimes I'd do it in the first four sometimes it would take a while um, and and I think that was what I had in my head that I knew of the point that I had to be at and if I wasn't doing it then I knew I had to I had to get there um, yeah. and that's and intense hopefully. now 23 out of 25 four times yeah 23 out of 25 is intense one time, but four times. Yeah. But that's that's the drive you had. That's how great you wanted to be as a shooter. Yeah, and it was spot shooting. I mean, it was rep shooting. It wasn't like game game type movement, but it was just kind of like ironing out the stroke, making sure that I knew that it was it was is where I needed to be. And so, I, yeah, I charted stuff, whether it was in my head or or I'd I'd write it down. I mean, I was always keeping track and. Um, and now I wouldn't have to do that anymore. So I could do it automatically. It wouldn't, I wouldn't have to disrupt the, the flow of my workout. So, um, so yeah, I think that, that's the way that I could see myself using this. Um, if I had to turn back the clock, you know, 25, 30 years, I think there would, there would have been a lot of fun. Had I probably would have missed a lot of meals, too. Yeah. Well, what excites you now? Tell me what's going on with you. Like, what excites you after your, after your playing career? Um, you're working in a profession, a job that you love and you enjoy. But tell me what excites you in general. Yeah, I love to be a part of a great team, and I think we have that as Shot Tracker. So that that aspect is is I, I feel like I'm in a good spot. Um, I coach both my daughters in basketball. One's a fourth; she's going to be she's going into fourth grade, and and one's a first grader. Um, I love seeing them like when it really triggers it and and they can see that they're they're actually pretty good athletes and they got a a pretty good stroke so on the basketball court that's fun i love going to see their piano recitals they're both musically um gifted Mm. they're they're both great singers i love to hear those voices 
um, on a daily basis as much as possible. And then uh, now I got a little son too, so he's he's uh, he's already working on his release and his form yeah. and holding the follow through and he's everything. One so. and a half. <laughs> yeah, he's 16 months. Oh, so wow. um, he's working on the release already. So we got yeah we got a good crew. We got my wife and I are are in it. It's a tough stage of life, but yeah. it's 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 well worth it. Like every single day that we bit, we're we're with them and we're we're helping them grow and find the opportunities that they want to get into is. Is really what me, what drives me right now, and 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 I love training players. That's another thing that I I feel is a is a deep passion of mine is is seeing players get to the next level, um, and really seeing it click with them in terms of footwork, in terms of shoulder turn, hip turn, all the little things that mm. that I really uh, was uh, re- really detail oriented. I like to approach each player that I train with the same with the same uh, with the same approach. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so you lived the dream. You played basketball for almost till you were 40 years old, right? When did you When did you hang it up? I was 40. Yeah, 40. So I you, turned 40 in April of 14, and and retired in May of 14. So. Wow, that's amazing. Living the dream and doing great things with Shot Tracker, and love seeing you lead the initiative uh, with coaches and. Ryan, as as always, it's just a pleasure for you to be on the show and to educate our coaches, to empower them, and to encourage them. And your story is always an encouragement. Um, thing I probably love most about you is that you know that golden rule. You do treat people that way, and you do it with a level of humility uh, that is really inspiring. So I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. Thanks. Same yeah. same here. Big respect for for you, TJ, and. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate that, Ryan. So, hey, I'm TJ. This is the Hardwood Hustle. We're here with Shot Shot Tracker at uh, the Junior NBA World Championships in Orlando. See you next time.